Oh, morning, gents. Oh, hey. Morning, everybody. Hey. What's, up? What's up? Welcome to uh, You Should Check It Out. My name's My name's Jay. I'm Nick. I'm Greg. Yes. Uh, is there Is there any coffee left? I mean, can I... got a little bit. Yeah. Here. I need something more than that, though, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's put something on, man. Let's. You got anything like kind of upbeat? Uh, let me see here. Uh, let's try this. Now. Smokes. <laughs> All right, on. I'm dancing. It's good. Man, what was that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> that is today's special guest, <laughs> drummer Travis Orban, or oh, the Orbinator. Nice. He's yes, he's here. He's been a friend of mine and a major force in the evolution of drumming for the last few years. And don't take my word for it. Modern drummer calls him a true standout among the growing ranks of talented players to emerge from the teeming depths of the internet. The difference between Orban and most others is that he attracts attention, not just with speed, but with ideas as well. And he plays with a level of musicality that is sometimes missing from extremely technical music. And his dedication to the craft is nothing short of epic, which I agree with. And if you don't take my word or Modern Drummer's magazine's word for it, Listen to YouTube's Jazz Drummer React, Garrett Miller Drums. Listen to his reaction to the clip we just played. How am I supposed to... <laughs> I... What do you even say that? What do you even say right. that? <laughs> I couldn't even follow two bars. <laughs> like it was, there was so much happening so quickly that I couldn't even like keep up with it. I was like, oh, there's a blast beat. I, I saw that. And then <laughs> just... What? <laughs> that's, that's, ex that's exactly my question. What? <laughs> what is a good question to start with, Travis? Travis Travis Orban is here. Yay! Welcome, Travis. Welcome, Hi. Travis. Hello. Hey. So that's what Hello. flabbergasting uh, someone feels like. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So can you answer his question, what? <laughs> huh? Huh? What? Did you answer that? That's the first question we have for you. Yeah. But, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I honestly don't even know how I learned that piece. Yeah, because when I wrote the parts for that originally, I never actually sat down on the drum set and played it. It was just all visualized. What? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when I recorded the video, I spent, eh, it was like three or four days rehearsing it and... Going into it, I, I didn't even know if I'd be able to play it, but uh, mm. I was able to. Nice, it was phenomenal. Well, regardless, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty insane. And uh, you know, again, it it goes back to uh, the quote that um, that I read about you earlier, where it says, you know, he attracts attention not just with speed, but with ideas as well. And I think those ideas are sort of next level. I don't know. It's just something that, again, is it flabbergasts, and not just you know, the YouTube jazz drummer reacts guy, but, uh, you know, most people that hear, uh, that stuff. And I don't know, there's a lot of things we want to tackle. I mean, we can get into the nitty gritty and sort of, you know, how you are able to come up with fresh sounding 
ideas on the drums, but um, if it's cool with you, I mean, I want to give everybody a chance to kind of catch up and give them a little bit of background. Yeah, and I, I would on. just say before we jump in, Greg, you know, if if you're not familiar with Travis Orban or his music, you know, look him up on YouTube and just see this guy in action, and you'll get a taste of, of what we're talking about. You know, just uh, agreed. See, you have speed. Quite, a, quite a selection of videos to choose from. <laughs> you do, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. great. Yes, sir. So, like, what what was it that got you into music and drumming at a young age? Okay, well, I uh, did not come from a musical household. Hmm. Music was being played. My parents were both fans of music, but uh, no instruments. So, hmm. yeah, it's, I guess that's kind of uh, not contradictory, but, uh, you know, the opposite of what a lot of musicians experience. But uh, well, I could relate. You yeah? Know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, we lived in we lived in an apartment, so it wasn't, you know, making noise was a big issue. De- a drum set was definitely out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Tight space. Yeah, exactly. What kind of music were they playing in the house? Was there anything that like you just break, you sort of just gravitated break towards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just nothing but death metal. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, my dad liked you know the classic stuff: Led Zeppelin, Rush, Jimi Hendrix. My mom was obsessed nice. with Motown. All right. Hmm. And, uh, but I have a vivid recollection of standing in the living room and seeing the video for Inner Sandman when that <laughs> came out. And that was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that connected, very, huh? <laughs> it was a, yeah, it did. Something about that. It, it was aggressive in, in that I had not heard anything like that before, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and, but then I actually went backwards. In their catalog, well, that's the only way I could go because the black helmet just <laughs> come out. True. But um, yeah. so yeah, you weren't got, in the, we weren't in the we weren't in the load area yet. <laughs> no, and uh, <laughs> I could not I could not time travel. But um, <laughs> so I got Injustice for All, and that's when I actually started mimicking, you know, motions of a drum set player. Like, okay, mm. this is really interesting now because before it was just the music that grabbed me, but now it was the drums. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny, man. Uh, um, I I had a very similar, like eerily similar black album, you know, and then going backwards experience where a family friend, uh, we went, we, so we went to this family's house for dinner and they had an older daughter who was like a senior in high school, just getting ready to go to college. I was a budding sixth grade middle schooler and she was like, listen, I have this cassette. It was a black album. I don't really want it. I bought it for one song. It's called <laughs> Nothing Else Matters. <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? And she just gave it to me and I that was it. I was, you know, I had this cassette and a Walkman and that was it. That was like black album all the time. Cool. And then I, I, after I sort of wore it out, I went to Tower Records and they had Master of Puppets and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what this is and I bought it. Nice. And that and you know, so then Master Ride the Lightning and Justice was, you know, I had those four cassettes. I didn't even get Kill 'Em All, but those four were just kind of like it's a kick in the teeth if you haven't heard that stuff before, right? I mean, just like I, I, I didn't even know what a band was. Really. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just what, what the hell, what the hell is happening? You know, <laughs> this uh, explains a lot. And Master Greg. and Master is even more of like a guitar player's album. Totally, I, I didn't even attempt. I was just listening. I didn't. I hadn't even picked up a guitar yet. I was just listening, and that was a special time, really, when you, you know, when you have just the cassette and like. I don't want to go too off the rails here, but I always loved putting fresh batteries in my Walkman. 
because it would like pitch it up just a little bit and like make Whoa. it super like more aggressive. And then like as the batteries died, the pitch would go down and it would slow down. No. <laughs> you know? But I was, but I remember noticing that when I was a kid that I was like, oh man, I can't wait to put some fresh batteries in this because that's so great. Ramp this tempo up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I gotta wake up. But yeah, dude, would would you say you're still a Metallica fan? Uh, <laughs> it's a loaded question. I actually really enjoyed the the load and reload albums, but after that, I totally moved on. I didn't really. Yeah, I moved on. <laughs> I got into other things. Other things drew my attention, and what so was, what were those other things? It's it's commendable that they uh, you know they're still going, they're still making music, Heck yeah. but it. Well, I I mean I don't know. I I went through lots of different phases when I uh, graduated. High school, I started getting into jazz and you know more avant-garde stuff. And uh, I, what I like to do now, I just like to find a record that I haven't heard on YouTube and listen to it with headphones. And if I enjoy it, then I buy it, and I, and I it doesn't leave my car stereo for like a year. <laughs> right. And I just absorb every layer that possible. What was your first? Uh, what was your first band that you were that you got a chance to play drums? Hmm. Yes, the first band that I had a hand in forming, like it was like a year and a half after graduating high school. It was just like a punk band, basically. Um, actually, no, I didn't form it. I formed the incarnate. <laughs> the incarnation that came afterwards was, was what you know. I kind of joined this this band. It was called Suburban Legend. Nice. Ooh. And uh, nice. It was cool though, because it was three other guys, and all they had to do was. You know, we were fresh out of high school, so all they had to do was work their day job, and then we would just make music all night. And so it was that my first fun. opportunity to be truly creative, you know, and not just play along to music or shed to exercises or whatever. So That's you, fun. You had said that, you, you know, you, you hear Metallica, you start mimicking the... The Lars motions, if you will. So, what was the what was the next step? I mean, did the parents just your parents just were like, "Oh, cool," and then got you a drum set? How did that? I mean, how did that pan out? Not to get too they, deep into the history, but you know. Yeah, they uh, they eased eased me into it. <laughs> they uh, okay. started me with a practice pad, and then you know I didn't have any sort of routine or any sort of formal education or anything, so I would just beat on it or beat along to music until uh, I exhausted the possibilities i guess and then uh then they got me this really cheap little synthesizer kit and uh <laughs> i would play on that thing for hours like i would come up with arrangements of songs in my head and, and i don't i can't remember the, the kit had like if you could toggle between sounds or not but i just remember making like songs on it like i wanted to make music rather than just nice. <laughs> just play beats or whatever that's awesome Nice. So yeah, so by then they had realized that it wasn't uh, a passing phase or a waning, waning interest. So they got me uh, an actual kit. This is for my birthday and Christmas present because my birthday is three days before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> drum sets a drum set. So Heck yeah, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Very <laughs> so, yeah, much. I got, so. I got that. Uh, it was Christmas 1995, and yeah, so. It'll be twenty five years this Christmas. You still got that kit? No, I don't have. Oh. I don't have my first kit. No. <laughs> I, still the same kit, <laughs> same heads. <laughs> <laughs> I sold that to buy my second pair of double bass pedals. Sweet. Ooh. You just wear the first wow. one. Out. 
I don't remember. <laughs> Probably. So, like, when um, when Metallica sort of wore, well, not wore off, but, like, wh- when you were hungry for more music, what was the next thing you gravitated towards? Um, I think a, a big one for me shortly after I graduated high school was Tower of Power. Oh, wow. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I got into David Garibaldi's playing in a, and trying to recreate it as best as I could yeah. <laughs> in a big way. And, uh, nice. yeah, I would still to this day consider him an influence. That's great. So that was great a big band. one. Uh, uh, there's a drummer named Virgil Donati. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That is an mm-hmm. absolute monstrosity, a virtuoso <laughs> from uh, yes. from Oz, the land down under. <laughs> and uh, he was a massive influence as well. I've so seen Virgil a few times. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> basically anything that he was involved with in the, like, you know, the early to late 2000s, so I just gobbled that stuff up. You reminded me of uh, when I moved out to Cali, I went online because I'd heard Alan Holdsworth lived out here. And I was like, maybe he just plays locally. Who knows? And I looked him up, and sure enough, he was playing like in a week, you know, two miles from my place in Venice. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I went to see him, and Virgil was playing drums, and then he died a week later. Uh, that's insane uh, yeah and I, but it was just like i i was so surprised and so like so pleasantly surprised because i'd seen virgil like maybe 20 years before and he's he's just a mind-blowing drummer to watch and it's not a surprise that he would be um such a big influence on you because the limb independence and the and the ideas and his kind of the way he sort of kind of melds the time is really quite an experience musically yeah. and visually you know he can that's, slice and slice right. and dice time like no other yeah it's he, he, the way his his arms kind of fling around it's it's very it's, it's, a, it's a little unorthodox but it works so well for him and he just seems like a really modest just driven fella and uh i've got a lot of respect for him yeah. so well, we were just yeah. talking about influences and yeah, those were two big ones for me. I mean, one thing that's fascinated me was is your process of how you write your parts, like just reading about, you know, in other interviews that you've done. And and when you said you got this, like, you know, the synthesizer kit and you started thinking it, it that early on about writing your own parts, like, that's really interesting that that early, like, that was kind of something that intuitively you wanted to do because I was kind of curious where that came from, like, because at a certain point you stop mimicking and start being your own drummer. And it sounds like from an early on stage, you kind of just jumped right into the composing side of it. D- did you did you do anything at that point? I mean, like, what was what was that process like before you kind of found your Guitar Pro setup? Um, well, even yeah, even playing in my earliest bands, I would strive to create kind of like signature drum parts. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't one for just. I mean, I like jamming, but when it came to writing sure. a song, I wasn't one to just jam to the song. Like, I wanted. Like, here's the groove here, here's the fill. Yeah, it's fair to say that even back then I was I was kind of thinking with that mindset. And then, uh, yeah, it just, it just kind of blossomed from there. And then I found Guitar Pro with the aid of a friend, and uh, that gave me a system in which to implement right. this process. Yeah, so right. like Guitar Pro, you, you mean like the, uh, it's like a notation software mm-hmm. where people kind of type in... You type in the note, and then the computer kind of plays it back. And once you get the hang of it, you can use it to compose things on the computer. But 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 it's 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 kind of directed at guitar players. But as it but it worked for you as a as a drummer. Yeah, I mean you know? it's a tablature program, but it's it's backed by a general MIDI map. So it has like a full percussion 
section and right. it's just it's just general MIDI so so some of those you know if you like export MIDI and you can plug it into another program mm -hmm. that'll read MIDI and it'll translate it just as it would in right. Guitar Pro mm -hmm. it just I figured out how to use it and I haven't looked back since <laughs> it was that song, it was right the on. piece you were looking for yeah yeah, perfect. yeah it's funny man um so actually a few years back Travis reached out to me uh, in the hopes that I would maybe record on one of his original projects, which was very exciting. And then he sent me the music and I thought he was trolling me. I, thought, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, he, am I going to like spend all this time learning this? And then he's going to like say, actually, I was just messing with you. Like, <laughs> I, th I, th I didn't think he'd actually do it <laughs> uh, because Luckily, uh, we I, I did end up uh, doing it, and it, he wasn't trolling me. Um, and we recorded it, and he's actually... I mean, Travis, why don't you explain... The, you, you're re-releasing this track? It's out now, but you're re-releasing it? Yeah, so you're talking about Lollygag. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this awesome. came out on my 2015 EP, Silly String. And one of the solo projects that I'm working on right now... It's called Silly String Redux, and it's a, like a reimagining of that EP. So I recut all the drums, I redid synthesizers, I added some sound design elements, I got some new guitar tracks tracked, not Greg's, of course. I got some of the bass reamped. Greg's tracks didn't cut it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they, they made the cut. Oh, they okay. made the cut. Yeah, we're good. And most notably, probably, I hired a live marimbist. Wow. Um, mm. uh, Peter Peter Ferry. Wow. And I also am adding two songs to it. It's originally a six song EP, but I also have a a sound design piece that I'm adding, which is pretty brief, and then I'm adding this monster gargantuan epic fifty three minute song. <laughs> fifty three minutes? Which is It's the yeah. hidden track, right? The hidden track. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, the that's hidden right. Track. You exactly. did you did tell me about that. You did tell me about that. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I embarked on this experiment <laughs> wherein I uh, I recorded just like three or four days of drums, just improvisation, and then I edited it all and cobbled it together and superimposed two chord progressions, one from Silly String, the original EP, and then Silly String 2, which is a full length that I did later. So I superimposed these chord progressions and made them work within uh, the context of this massive drum experiment and then i hired uh well the same marimbus that played uh on the other tracks he he does solos throughout the whole thing and Oof. then uh then i have a rhythm section a bassist and a synthesis if you will and they're helping helping fill it out as well and then a uh violinist who i've worked with extensively extensively named sophia uden she'll be mm. soloing on it as well so once awesome. i have her tracks i can comp them together with peter's tracks the marimbus and uh you know try to make something out of it wow. but anyway <laughs> this will be the opening track on silly string redux and greg played guitar and bass on it sweet yeah i love this track <laughs>
Air, I'm, so sweet. Yo, I'm air marimbering over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was, uh, if, if you can recall, what was the most challenging uh, thing to track on that? Oh, Greg? my God, dude. That lollygag uh, song. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I mean, I'm, without exaggerating, I think it took me, like, just under a year to, like, not not that all it's all I did for a year, but like it was the, it took yeah. like about a year for me to f- sort of map out how I would even begin because there would be things. I mean, you know, to be fair, you when you sent me the the original thing, it was like forty third fret. I was like, wait a minute, and so that's when but, Greg um, went to his garage and started working on his forty three fret guitar. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just put, cue, cue the like workshop sounds. <laughs> Greg is so devoted, he became right. his own luthier. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But I did. Uh, I did have to like sort of tweak it, and you know, um, Travis as the composer, it's you know, it's not necessarily his job to make it like possible. It was sort of like I had to sort of reinterpret his ideas. Um, and this is also but- way back when like. I had zero regard for anyone, like other than the drums, of course. Like right, anyone, right. anyone actually no, but, playing the shit. <laughs> it was, it was, fun. it was fun. I mean, it just the the basic thing that I had to do is like displace a couple of octaves, mm-hmm. um, which which was actually a really good like kind of mental exercise because again, like you know, take something forty third fret. I just had to like backtrack and be like, what note did he actually mean? <laughs> you know? Hey, Travis, but, that, uh, that song is so cool and so dense and so articulate and mm-hmm. all that and it sounds great and i i mean kudos to you, it's, you. it's a lot of fun i i hope you don't mind if i say it's very zappa-esque sure i mean well, i think I'll that's pretty clear gladly right? gladly take that comparison yeah. it's like liquid tension experiment covering zappa yeah <laughs> yeah that's not that's not bad man that's pretty good i mean Z- zappa's i've been in love with his music for forever Yay. but i was actually listening was listening to a lot of spastic ink when i wrote that actually wow oh wow huh yeah. nice. no makes way. sense i remember one of the first times we hung out you had a zappa shirt on and i was like that makes sense <laughs> i don't remember that shirt good assumption <laughs> but, confirmed uh, right it's all coming together yeah. now yep no i was okay. gonna say even as you as you were describing what you're doing with um with silly string redux kind of sounds like a iteration of your own little pro like a project object concept of just kind of retaking previous work and and applying especially the so you said you took three days and just just of improvisation and then how did you consolidate that down to like uh, oh it took like 10 days 12 days of working like 15 to 16 hours a day and just Pete. yeah because i started with the chord progressions i didn't to do all the drum stuff and then superimpose them. Like I started with the chord progressions and those mm-hmm. in, in themselves are an odd time each. Uh, one's in five, four and the other is in this two bars of 11, eight. So essentially 11, four. Mm-hmm. So convenient. yeah, very convenient. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was just a lot of chance like, okay. Uh, you know, I, I mean, when I tracked the drums, the first day I tracked to custom clicks that I made that had the the chord progressions like the melodies, mm-hmm. so I had a reference in my head, mm-hmm. and they were they were at a bunch of different tempos, so everything from like seventy four I think to all the way up to like two o four. Sounds um, like some fun list. So <laughs> just put that on. Yeah. Like, so click, 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 the first click, click, day was click. devoted totally to to the melody soloing I call it, and then the second day I tracked to a static click. So no melody to you know 
depict or mm-hmm. denote the, or where the time was. But the, of course, I sold it the same tempos that I had the melody clicks at. Right. Wow. And then the third day was um, uh, no click soloing, and then I uh, Ooh, changed. Wow. I changed up the the kit setup as well. Ooh. So like I used a different snare and I pitched up the bass drum and stuff. So. Right on. So I throw some yeah. of that in there as a like a palate cleanser, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I, I know what you mean though. It, it's true, man. It, when you, when you listen to um, I, I, every now and then, I gotta throw on some some Hornet Coleman mm-hmm. or some like uh, what's that Inner Space that Coltrane record? Oh yeah. Just him and a drummer just going like they're playing whatever. Rashid Ali, I think that's the drummer on it. Is that it? Yeah, because I can't play it with company present most company (laughs) but it's it's true it kind of i kind of feel like i'm scrubbing my head my brain you know when i listen (laughs) to that stuff sometimes i can't overdo it but it's just it's like you know what forget about all these other musical concepts that we've sort of chained ourselves to like no it has to be in time it has to be in pitch it has to be you know blah blah blah. but Mm -hmm. all this stuff is it's just expression there's nothing else to it Mm-hmm. And uh, that you know, I, I I can't listen to it all the time, but I, I know exactly what you mean with that—that that it's a palate cleanser. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I've uh, admired about Travis, and um, I, I hope you maybe elaborate, is just you seem to have like a really disciplined approach to most things that you do in music and otherwise. And I was just wondering if you'd maybe give us a little insight, like how do you stay so disciplined? I don't have a wife. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. All right. Fair enough. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> no, but for me, that would be video games. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's my uh, quick get out of this conversation answer when someone asks me something like that uh, in, per, in, in person and I don't feel comfortable. No. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Sorry, no, buddy. I mean, I mean, I mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> I've been, I, I've been like this for so long. It's hard to distinguish whether it's like an ingrained behavior or, uh, something that I learned early on, but I will say that I took Taekwondo at a young age, um, yeah. like nice. ages nine to thirteen, I believe, and uh, got my black belt. And I think that was something that helped instill that virtue in me. Wow! Right on, man. Well, you know, I I, I only I, stopped I, because I got like some knee issues, right. and they coincidentally came about around the time that I got my drum set. So it was just kind of like going from one passion to the next i guess yeah, absolutely that's funny man yeah well you know it, it was striking i remember the first time that i heard travis play he was not auditioning i think you had just joined my buddy's band uh my buddy tom murphy he was playing in a band and he was they'd been searching for a drummer for a long time playing really extreme technical stuff and you know, I, Tom would just keep me in the loop, like, yeah, we're still looking for a drummer, you know, like, we put some stuff out, and and then one day he called me excited, he's like, hey, guess what, we found a drummer, I was like, yeah, and he's he goes, and Travis, you'll laugh, because you know Tom, Tom was like, real chill, just like, yeah, you know, uh, you, you you know guys like uh, Danny Carey, and like, Mike Portnoy, you know those guys, and I'm like, yeah, he's like, this guy's better than all of them, <laughs> 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 I was like, I was oh, like, Tom. okay, and then uh, I went to uh, a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. You know, I hope I'm not putting him on the spot. And uh, I went to the rehearsal, and uh, yeah, I, I I was like, I, okay, you weren't bull- you weren't bullshitting me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you had it then, and it was just it's just really a, you know it's really quite a marvel when that kind of limb independence and time and and I 
I have to say the the way you still smash the drum. You know, you, you, like the the drum is it sounds like oh, like I can't like it couldn't get hit any harder. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess that's maybe what has led to your hooking up with Darkest Hour. You know, your ability to play this aggressive music. Can you tell us about that band and how you got in? Well, I first jammed with Mike Schleibaum and Mike Theobald, the two guitarists, back in 2011. Uh, they were working with a fill-in drummer shortly after they had parted ways with Ryan Parrish, the original drummer. And they were working with this fill-in, and they were renting a studio space, like a B room, from my friend Taylor Larson. And they were like, the fill-in drummer is like, you know, he's a friend of ours, he's really good, but we don't know if he's he's the one and so taylor was like you got to check out my friend travis nice so yeah they they uh taylor gave me the heads up and i transcribed i think two songs and then drove to bethesda maryland and uh jammed with them and the first thing that i did because i learned the songs that day uh, i was like uh you mind if we play these like 40 bpm slower <laughs> 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 not that they were s- super challenging but and I probably shouldn't have done that anyway. It's just not something that you do at an audition. But this was like eight years ago anyway, or nine years ago. Something worked. Yeah, I was young and stupid. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't mind. And But it was super weird for them because uh, they didn't even play live with a click. Like the only time they ever played to a click right. like for recording sessions. But everything mm. else, like any, any other time, is just unchained. No cl- oh, right. <laughs> right. And then let alone play something like... 40 BPM slower. It's just like unheard of. So it was super weird for them. But but actually, uh, Lone Star, Mike Theobald, that's what we call him. Uh, right. he, he was a big fan of it because he could quickly see the potential in it. Yeah. And that, you know, they, were, they weren't playing some things up to snuff. Yeah. And as ah. side note, I mean, we still do this to this day. And I've done this in bands prior and other projects to rehearse that way. It just really irons out all the kinks. Sure. But, um, but he really liked it because he's he's kind of like me, like he's a guitar pro nerd, and you know he's married to the click and all that. So uh, he liked it, and then we met a few months later for uh, the first pre-production session, which actually ended up we did like demoed like seven songs in two days, and I think like maybe like half of those ended up on uh, the self-titled album, the first record I did with them. So we met again for. You know, pre-production sessions, played my first handful of gigs with them, and ended up joining the band. And uh, I think it was May of 2013. We went public with it. Nice. But uh, nice. but yeah, to going back to what you said, yeah, obviously if I if I didn't hit the drums the way that I did, I <laughs> I wouldn't have I wouldn't have sold myself. <laughs> could, could we play a clip from that record? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Which one? Uh, Rapture and Exile. That's, That's the one.
Oh my lord! It's that's a- I would say those little you know that's a signature Travis thing right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> the they call those hertas in the drum world. Mm-hmm. I love how everything really? just has this nonsensical name. Wait, wait, it's, wait, wait, it's wait, wait, hertas? Hertas. Yep. Herta, yeah. <laughs> huh. it, what's the word for a, a word that is the sound it makes? Oh, onomatopoeia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all Onom- drum- onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. Right. That's like all drum, yeah. all drum terms or flam. <laughs> right. But true. Yeah. But it sounds like you got them. I mean, not only your your playing, but your process is kind of what out of the gate sold them on on, on you, right? Like saying, I've I've transcribed this, and I'd like to slow it down so we can do this right. Um, yeah, that immediately appealed to uh, to Lone Star. Like I said, yeah. Schleibomb, Schleibomb's a little more old school, but he still loves Guitar Pro, so he's he kind of had to ease into it. But yeah, he's he's every bit as much of a nerd as a, as we are now. Darkest Hour has it seems to me just from my limited time hanging out with those guys, like uh. I mean, they're like you said, old school. They kind of have they're DC. They're like they've kind of got this punk ethos, even mm-hmm. though they're a metal band. Yeah. Like it's very much I don't know. They're, I can I, I see why you fit in because like sort of how you're very serious about your craft. Like they're serious about their craft as well. And I can you know it, it didn't surprise me when you announced that you were playing with them. And um, I'm glad that it's worked out. You've probably I mean you've seen a lot of the world with them, haven't you? Europe yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were my first experience touring like mainland Europe. How does how does tour life treat you? Does is it a shake <laughs> up? Does it shake your world up? Because you seem it seems like kind of a polar opposite yeah. of how you live at home. Um, it's it's different, but I adapt to it pretty well. You just gotta find your routine, huh? Yeah, every tour is a little bit different. You know, you gotta find your pockets of when you can work out and nap or whatever. Yeah. Once you figure that out, it's it's all right. Cool, man. Well, I'm glad it's working out with you guys and Darkest Hours. But going back to your solo stuff, because you constantly have, you know, like three albums on the slated for release. How many albums do you have coming out this year? Three. You're right. Okay, there you go. Oh, nailed it. <laughs> Lucky guess. <laughs> and those are those are full lengths, not not EPs. Oh wow, nice. Not EPs, straight up full lengths. What? Yes, That's sir. crazy, man. What's your typical process for these things? Do you always have a bunch of songs in the hopper or do you try to like focus on one project and get it done? Or is it just kind of work on as many things as you can and then find out where they fit? It varies a little bit, but typically when I set out to write something, I have a concept in mind. Mm-hmm. For instance, these two full lengths, one is really just a like a remix and remaster. I'm coupling two EPs together and resequencing them on a full length. And then the other one's Silly String Redux, so that isn't really new material other than the that giant thing at the end. <laughs> and then, But the other one is Finite 3, uh, which is a continuation of my Finite series, obviously. And uh, <laughs> I, my concept with that is there are only four major elements. There's drums and percussion, uh, bass, synthesizers, and strings, whether it be violin, viola, or... In the case of Finite 3, it's a, actually a seven-string Viper. It can go as far down as a cello and as high as, you know, like a the highest traditional violin note. <laughs> wow. Mm. wow. But, but That's yeah, the one it's... that uh, Sophia got at NAMM, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I remember she, she... Is it like a guitar or is it a boat instrument? What is, what is it? it? It's it's a boat instrument, but it does have pickups as well, so it can, it can go electric. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> but actually, I got some tracks from her for uh, one of the songs that'll be on Silly String Redux. 
there's a song called Desensitization, and the original release is just bullshit, you know, VST strings, but now I got the real deal. And it sounds, nice. I, I she could have fooled me. It sounds like a traditional violin. Like it sounded fantastic. Very so cool. anyway, uh, for instance, like with Finite 3, like setting out, it was just like, okay, uh, I have this, you know, I want to do it. That's the first step. Do I want to do it? <laughs> there's always, some, there's like some waffling there, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But once I have that first idea, that first idea is just like how to start the album or the project. And then and then it just blossoms from there. So once I had that, it was just, you know, just a matter of stringing ideas together and making them flow. But do you do you play yeah. do you play keys at all? I mean, do you compose uh, like that bit. or is it more like you're composing within Guitar Pro or wherever you I compose compose within Guitar Pro. Got it. And I just let you know the idea the melody or whatever dictate what what it is like if it's something impossible then i'll just have a synthesizer <laughs> play it. Do it yeah or or you'll call greg or or I'll call, torture, greg, torture greg for a year and make him build yeah. his own what 43, the fuck? 43 43rd fret, fret. <laughs> what the fuck? it worked out but what, i will say just just going back one last thought about that was that I think halfway through you were like, "Hey, can you track bass as well?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" But then I realized, <laughs> "Oh, you know what?" But I was Give really, I realized like yeah. the, the the bass kind of doubles the guitar, so that actually didn't take that nearly as much work. Yeah, <laughs> but that's uh, that's I I love the bass tone on that. Yeah, it's that, so that, killer. That came out. That's I'm glad you did because uh, yeah, so did I, and that's just a Fender jazz bass man with a with an active pickup on it. But and and the help of Gabriel Riccio, yeah. Did I say his last name right? Yeah. I usually just call him Gabe. But anyway, <laughs> he 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 helped me. He helped me out. A mutual friend of Travis and I, really really excellent musician. And well, Travis played on his first record called the Gabriel Construct, which is Interior, really gnarly. Interior City. Interior City. Excuse, pardon. So the, yes, Interior City is the name of the album by the Gabriel Construct. He was working on some new material and Travis and I played on some of the demos. So I hope that that stuff sees the light of day because I really loved that stuff as well. But uh, shout out to Gabriel. And my boy. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Gabe reamped that stuff. So he actually helped curate the mm. tones. Awesome. T- yeah, definitely. He really helped me out with that. Um, there's some other stuff that uh, that I had the pleasure of playing on that was uh, on Travis's album, Delectable Machinery. Yeah, uh, that was the yeah. la- my last uh, release. It's a little different from the other stuff. It is. What's your sort of like North uh, Star with Delectable Machinery? Like, what was the concept there? That was a confluence of uh, several things coming together. Uh, and I, I don't know if uh, I'm trying to remember them in sequence, but there's this bassist named named James Bratton that I went to high school with, grew up playing in the church, and just has this incredible feel. I hired him to play on this like neo soul song that I wrote that will be on a release at some point. But uh, I, I enjoyed his playing so much that I wanted to write some stuff for him. So he ended up playing on three songs on Delectable, and at the same time. I was uh, really getting into Zap, Roger Troutman, the Troutman Brothers, mm-hmm. that oh, band, really. uh, especially Zap 2. Mm-hmm. That that album's like in, impeccable, unimpeachable. <laughs> <laughs> unimpeachable. <laughs> um, and then uh, another factor, I was also uh, revisiting a lot of old uh, video game soundtracks. Huh. And uh, Like what? Uh, there's this game called Snatcher. 
Okay. That was started out as a PC game and uh, made the jump to Sega CD in the <laughs> mid nineties. Nice. Yeah, huh. it's a it's a Hideo uh-huh. Hideo Kojima. I think that's uh-huh. what you say. Yeah. yeah, it's one of his games. The Konami guy, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, that that's some of that stuff. And then I was also reading all of uh, William Gibson's uh, Sprawl trilogy, like Neuromancer, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, Mona Lisa Overdrive, uh, Burning Chrome, and then what's the what's the second one? Count Zero, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was reading those books throughout that whole process as well. So it's just like all these factors came together, and I just decided to. I, I remember when I decided to do it. I was rehearsing this Miles Davis cover that I did, and uh, I stumbled onto this groove one night, and that's uh, the groove that opens the album. It's on the song uh, The Opulence of Static. Mm. And so that was kind of (laughs) like, not to be all pithy, but that was was like (laughs) the burnt burnt match onto the inspirational kindling. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, you know what's funny, man? You gotta hire this guy full time, Greg. He knows his words. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, I I totally, I kind of wish I'd drawn that parallel before tracking this. But I mean, it worked out. But like the the video game music, that totally Mm -hmm. makes sense now. It's like Toe Jam and Earl, or or something like that. This this track I got to play on is sort of like that. (laughs) That's that's the big. Your track is the big zap. Uh, homage <laughs> right on yeah I'm gonna, I, 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 I'm gonna dig into that man zap z-a-p-p oh, yeah. yep z-a-p-p yep. speaking of uh, like cool. different directions that you've taken the stentorium was it echolalia what was the like what was the motivation it seemed like it might even be like making its way into other like work that you're doing kind of just like these soundscapes but what was like the idea behind that as far as that that specific track that you recorded that's going to be on silly string redux it's oh, okay. probably gonna okay. yeah it's probably gonna go between watch pork which was the last song that <laughs> originally <Watch> ended <laughs> originally ended the ep <laughs> oh, it'll probably God. go between that and the giant 53 minute song but i think <laughs> in a moose boost if you will is that the, is that the name of the song the the giant 53 minute song i, I don't know what i'm gonna name it I'm, <laughs> i might just call it i might just call it redux but We'll see. Okay. That, we'll see if I can come up with something really weird and zap esque. <laughs> I bet you can. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with Stentorian, um, I think I had just gotten an iPad and a bunch of different apps. Mm-hmm. And I was just having fun with it one night and um, started playing around with these dyads from the song Hold On, and which is a song on Silly String. Mm hmm. And just cycling them around different sounds, and I just ended up with that. And then you know, I worked. I I had like the the basic synth stuff, and then I added more of the sound design e elements. Like right. there's like some crickets in there and other weird shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's cool. It's really cool. Really cool. Thank you. Hell yeah. Well, I, I know that you have had a lot of success and have gotten a lot of followers doing your YouTube videos. You know, where it's just you tracking. And I assume that's your studio. It looks. Mm-hmm. Similar yep. to where you're, where you are. Well, right now. The, I mean, there, I have shot videos in other studios, but the vast majority of of what's on YouTube is from my home studio. Yeah, right on. You know, internet's a weird place, man. What? Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. What, what do you What do you make of internet stardom? You know, it, it, has it been good to you? Has it been what you hoped? Or well, I 
I'm hesitant to shun that, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> description. I don't, I don't consider myself a, an internet starlet. <laughs> sure. But, um, but I don't know. I, I got onto YouTube pretty early on, and I think that gave me an edge yeah. as far as, you know. Distinguishing you. Yeah, helping me kind of rise above the pack of what, or the din of noise that all the other people were making. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, being associated with, with the bands that, I, that I've been associated with over my career, like Periphery and Sky Eats Airplane, they also helped help me develop a, a following early on. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like a working musician, just like anyone else. You know, yeah. I, I go on tour. Uh, I, the only no. difference is I work through the internet, mostly. No. Well, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I, th- I think that it's sort of a template that, you know, not it's not going to work for everyone, um, right. but it is a way of getting yourself out there. And, you know, it's so easy with the devices that we all have in our lives now. It's unimaginable that when you and I were getting like into injustice for all back in the day, you couldn't just load up a video of Lars Ulrich in your hand yeah, and just watch him play, mm-hmm. you know? So now, and it's... Uh, I think that it also it, it it tends to work in your favor because of the style that you play is very visually appealing, mm-hmm. you know, as well as the the sound. But like for when people want to watch someone play drums, yeah, it's it it really works and it's been effective for you because I don't I mean I don't know how, if you realize it it's it's I've come across other drummers. And you know they'll be like, hey, what's what what are you up to? And you know around the time that we did. Uh, that song on Silly String and be like, well, I'm recording a song for this guy, Travis Orban. They'd be like, oh, you know that guy? You know, and I'm like, yeah, so? <laughs> you know? But they knew that, they, they found you, it's, it's because they found you on, on the internet. Right. But it, I, would, I would definitely say in the, uh, in the world of technical music, I think also that a lot of the fans of that stuff tend to maybe stay home oh, yeah. a lot, you <laughs> know, and surf, you know? And there's not, I'm not hating on that at all, but I think that's where a lot of the... Uh, the audience might come from it's definitely no mistake that there are bands that are kind of known as internet bands <laughs> mm-hmm. because they've, they've developed this following you know pretty much solely because of the power of the internet yeah and i just don't i don't want to ever be in a position where I, I consider myself like a content creator i just don't like that term yeah. i don't like sure feeling like i'm beholden to people Right. So no, I just like doing you... I just like doing my thing and sure. People like it, latch onto it. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I was going to say just as a drummer, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching just to see your process and also just for, I mean it's incredibly inspiring. So any of that other stuff aside, like it's you know, thank you so much for sharing those videos cuz they're it's fascinating to watch and and just your 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 limb independence is in and of itself just so inspiring and and it just motivates me to, you know, practice more. So thank you for that in and of itself. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's from Very the heart, man. Like, I'm this, trying to just awesome. not be, like, all uncomfortably praised. That's, that's, that's where God. I'm coming from right now. God, man. <laughs> what's, what's, your, uh, what's your favorite Zap album? Oh, man. I like, I like to use this phrase, gun to the head. So, like, well, you only have 250 albums to choose from, so... Right. <laughs> Wait. Nope. Two fifty two. Oh, two fifty four. Yep. I think I think the gun to the head zap on for me would be Joe's Garage. Wow. All right. Oh. Okay. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool. It's oh, Vinnie yeah. Caliuta's first recorded performance. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Really? That I did not know. Yeah. 
Holy smokes, man! What I saw him at uh, huh. I saw him at Hollywood Bowl with Herbie Hancock this summer. Oh, nice! He stole the show, man! Like no awesome. doubt, <laughs> everybody like he took a drum solo over actual proof that people were freaking out about. And like the, the whole the whole next day, like all these uh, musicians that I follow were posting their video of him during that solo. <laughs> right, but yeah, he's still just top of the game, man. Vinny Caliuta, holy smokes! Yeah, man. He's a man. He's he's another influence of yours, I imagine. He is, yeah, definitely. Right on, yeah. Loved what he did with uh, Holsworth as well. He's a, he's a, he's on that Secrets album. He's on Secrets. He's he plays on some Warden Cliff Tower mm-hmm. tracks as well, which are really great. He's just, he, you know he's done it all. <laughs> and Joe's Garage was his first recorded performance. Yep, that was, uh, that's amazing. I love hearing those kinds of stories about how Zappa, guys like Frank Zappa and Miles Davis, would bring these young people in and then just. Boom! They were, they they became their own yep. uh, right away. You know, I, lo- I I love hearing those stories. I there's a parallel to me. You know, like oh, yeah. I would, I've I've been writing insane bass parts forever, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I didn't used to do that because I didn't know this guy named Cameron McClellan, who uh, it's more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. Like you would never know he has the chops that he has. I think there's like one video of him on YouTube playing. But he's more of like a producer engineer. He does a lot of front of house work. Mm-hmm. He tours with giant acts like Daniel Caesar and I think Jesse Ray's is the other one he's with right now. But um, yeah, he got on board with me on projects two, uh, which is my third EP. Uh, but prior to that, I just wrote like the the bass would just mimic the guitar. There'd just be like root notes, like it just mm. it'd be very uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered him when I did a session for this. Uh, band called Intervals, and I was like, "All right, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write whatever I want because he's going to be able to play it." So <laughs> right. there's there's a parallel there, like you know, fresh blood, yeah, you know, inspiring composition and whatnot, and the challenge of challenging them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no challenge challenging uh, right, Cameron. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the human guitar pro basis. He's insane. Wow. And before yeah. we wrap up, Travis, what uh, I guess we've talked about some of the new albums that you got coming out this year uh are you going back on tour what's uh what's the new year hope yep. for you yep darkest hours hitting the road in is it mid-april i believe mm-hmm. just for like two weeks uh we're going out with misery signals it's a headlining tour misery mm-hmm. signals and a band called sect s-e-c-t and then we won't be touring again until the summer we're doing like the european festival run mm-hmm Cool. And then there will at some point be a, a East Coast run. We've been kind of leaving the East Coast in the dark, so we want to rectify that. There you go. Right on. There you go. Nice. And, uh, and then whatever else, whatever other offers crop up, this is our uh, 25th anniversary wow. year. Yeah. Beautiful. So, nice. Yeah, these guys have been around forever, man. Well, you know, it's it's cool. They're DC uh DC legends, you know, and uh, DC royalty, <laughs> DC royalty, exactly. And uh, but, dude, uh, just real quick, I I also noticed um, you were sort of vague booking. Damn Warsaw, you you know how to do it. And I was like, <laughs> man, I want to I want to see some pics or something, you know. But uh, would you describe what what the vibe was like playing out there in Poland with Darkest Hour? Well, that gig in particular was just a lot of fun oh. because we had come from a string of German shows and. You know, German audiences are appreciative, but they don't 
they don't quite show it the way that uh, the Warsaw audience did. I mean, people were just, they were moshing, there were girls dancing. It was, we were afraid that people were going to get hurt. That's so, a, that's always a great sign. <laughs> stage diving. Sure. I think, was it, was it, no, that was, I think that was Budapest. It's always funny when Schleibaum, he gets like manually crowd surfed because he's kind of small. Mm. Okay. We'll just pick him up and you know the hoist him oh. above him, and they'll just crowd surf him against his. Well, I don't know if it's against uh, okay. his will, but right, right, you know, right, right. he'll he go didn't, along. He didn't it. set out to crowd surf. <laughs> so um, that's fun. When things like that happen, you know, it's yeah, the energy is just yeah, just gonna yeah. go with it. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a moment. So yeah, you know? there was that that sort of energy was was there. It was raucous. Well, I, I, I wish you guys all that energy and then some Absolutely. in the Indeed. upcoming year. Thank you. Yeah, man. Where can people find you online, Mr. Travis? I like to just say TravisOrban.com. That's the hub. Keep it simple. It'll take you yeah. to YouTube. It'll take you to Instagram, wherever. Bandcamp. And it's, and it's a massive archiving site. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, thank well you done, so much man. for coming on the show, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah! Appreciate it. Travis is the man. Let's uh, can we play us out with uh, Bolas Calientes from uh, Delectable Machinery? I think we can do do it. Let's do that. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again, Travis. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Later. Later.